Good morning, and we welcome at this time State Representative Randy Fry. Good morning to you, sir. Morning, Tom. And of course, uh, another uh, another week and uh, another time at the uh, the General Assembly. Uh, several things uh, going on. Uh, I know, in particular, some items that uh, you're keeping an item on um, include uh, House Bill ten zero one. And uh, where does that stand right now? Oh, Tom, House Bill ten zero one is the bill that uh, has provisions in it to protect the rights of Hoosiers who don't want to get the COVID nineteen vaccine. It has a provision in it to protect the employer so they can continue to test the employees and, uh, and safeguard uh, their, uh, their employees. Uh, it ends the state of emergency that has been in place now for nearly two years, but it also uh, continues to guarantee that Indiana is in compliance with the federal government for the money that we receive from them uh, for Medicaid patients. And um, it's about $250 million uh, to Medicaid patients. So. Uh, this bill needs to pass in order for us to protect those revenues that are coming back from the federal government, the Indiana tax dollars that have been sent there, and they're uh, sending them back to us. So um, we want to end the state of emergency, but we want to do it in the right way so that uh, we continue to receive those money for the Hoosiers who need it most. So I guess uh, pretty much uh, what you're looking to do here is um, kind of, uh, you know, Take everything and uh, kind of melt things together, and uh, kind of, kind of, uh, I guess, a compromise more or less as far as uh, not only uh, getting rid of the state of emergency, but also being eligible for federal funds. That's absolutely right, Tom. And this is not an easy thing to do. I'm, I'm sure your listeners understand that. But uh, in order to try to protect the rights of the individual, but also protect the health of the citizens, and uh, it's not easy. So. Uh, this bill is uh, it's continuing to move. It's continuing to be adjusted, and we'll see what comes back from the Senate in March and conference committee. But uh, currently, uh, those are the two main provisions in the bill, and uh, and uh, we we want to try to get this through. It's on third reading this week, and so third reading is where a bill, the merits of a bill, are debated, and it's where the final vote in the House will take place. So we'll see if it's got enough votes to get out, but uh, I I am confident that it will and head over to the Senate, and then we'll see what they do. Okay, and then uh, House Bill uh, 1002, this is um, looking to reduce Indiana's individual income tax from uh, 3.23% to 3%. And uh, can you give us a little bit as far as uh, how uh, how that's uh, working its way through the House? Yeah, that uh, that bill passed Ways and Means Committee this week, uh, this past week, 15 to 7. It's authored uh, by Dr. Tim Brown, who's the chairman of Ways and Means. Um, Tom, this is the largest tax cut in Hoosier history. Uh, it's cutting Indiana's income tax rate over the next four years from 3.23 to 3%. Uh, it's about a billion three, uh, $1.3 billion annually uh, of money that stays in the pocket of the Hoosier taxpayers. Uh, in addition, it's going to rebate $125 tax credit on your 2022 Indiana income tax uh, whether you owe tax or not, if you don't owe tax, you'll still get the refund. Uh, and so uh, as long as you are a taxpayer and you pay Indiana income tax. So, uh, again, this is a uh, this is a huge amount of money. If you add that $125 together across the state, uh, money is coming back to the through the, uh, the people from which it came. Uh, Indiana has been living within our means now for a long time. We balance our budget and uh, – we have a provision in law that was put in during Governor Pence's time 
that says when we exceed a certain amount of money in our cash reserve, um, we have to rebate that money back to the people. And, and so uh, that's what's going to happen. We're, we're above that uh, threshold. We simply uh, don't need the people's money, and we're sending it back to them. And then um, also another bill that is uh, more or less, uh, I think it kind of dovetails uh, with um, uh, the, uh, the the COVID bill we uh, alluded to earlier, um, uh, House Bill 1003, as far as uh, helping a healthcare worker uh, shortage and uh, supporting Hoosier uh, nurses and other people involved in healthcare. And uh, where does that stand right now? Well, Tom, you're right. Uh, our healthcare workers have been under tremendous stress now for almost two years with COVID, and right now COVID is as bad as it's been. Uh, we want to thank them for their service and continued dedication uh, under these difficult circumstances. But currently, uh, uh, House Bill 1003 will be eligible for second reading this coming week. Second reading is where bills can be amended. We'll see if the bill gets changed at all. Um, but uh, it helps address the critical shortage of healthcare workers by streamlining nursing li- nursing licensing requirements and giving flexibility to nursing programs and nursing educators. So what we're trying to do is both recruit and uh, educate new nurses. And so Indiana is projected to need an additional 5,000 nurses by 2031 uh, and needs to increase the number of nurses graduating each year by 1,350. That's a lot. And so we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to work on our uh, nursing training programs to try to boost those numbers. And of course, House Bill uh, 1004. I believe this is the one that uh, that you have a uh, you authored as far as uh, helping mm-hmm. uh, local public safety efforts. And uh, uh, once again, mm-hmm. for those who uh, may have missed it, uh, where does that stand right now in the House? Well, House Bill 1004 passed this past week and is now on its way to the Senate. Uh, it passed 90 to three. So overwhelming bipartisan support, and it has two main provisions, and the provisions are that uh, the judge could, after this bill becomes law, assuming it becomes law, sentence a convicted uh, individual directly to community corrections instead of having to go through DOC. And then it also allows a judge to um, sentence a convicted level six felon directly to Department of Corrections. And why that's so important is a lot of our jails are overcrowded. Not all. Some some counties have new jails that have capacity. But a lot of our jails are overcrowded, and this will allow the judge to sentence an individual directly to Department of Corrections where we have beds. The bigger factor is that the folks um, that, that we, hear, we talk to, the sheriffs and the deputies that we talk to, have told us over and over that the county jails have become our mental health facilities and our drug treatment facilities. And they were never designed for that, never built for that. And so the Department of Corrections has those programs available every day. And so uh, what we want is we want what's best for this individual who's being sentenced. So if the judge believes it's in their best interest to stay in a county jail, they can. If it's in their best interest to go to Department of Corrections, they can't. We want them to get the best care that they can get. And uh, one other thing uh, before we let you go this morning, uh, State Representative Randy Fry is uh, the handgun measure. And, of course, that's uh, gotten a lot of play around the state. And uh, can you give Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that and uh, where that stands at this time? Uh, It's called constitutional carry. Constitutional carry is a a bill that simply says you have a constitutional right to bear arms and have a concealed uh, weapon on you. you. 
Uh, that bill has passed the House and is on its way to the Senate. Uh, it has passed the House in years past and did not pass the Senate. Uh, we'll have to see what the Senate does with it. Um, in the last few years, we pretty much streamlined the uh, permit process, so there was no fees involved. It was practically uh, constitutional carry, so this isn't a great big jump, but it does allow an individual to have a, a handgun uh, without having to get a license. And, uh, and uh, of course, uh, you know, this week uh, full of, uh, I'm sure, a lot, of, a lot of things are coming down the pike. Can you give us a little bit of, of a, a preview of uh, what we can expect to uh, hear out of the state house this week? Yeah, I sure can, uh, Tom. And uh, uh, it's, it's about to get busy. Uh, we are in the third week now. Uh, bills uh, take a while to go from um, a bill list where the speaker hands it down. It goes to committee. Committee chairman have to decide whether to hear a bill or not, figure out what's in the bill, schedule a hearing if the bill passes committee, and it comes back out to uh, uh, the House floor where it's heard on second reading and then third reading. So oh, a list of the bills, uh, converted motor vehicle protections, uh, Representative Engelman, House Bill 1073. Um, that bill is, uh, is uh, in the Roads and Transportation Committee. And uh, what it does is it says that um, it, it makes a differentiation between the warranty on a vehicle from the manufacturer and the warranty on a vehicle that's been modified uh, for uh, special needs, as in a wheelchair lift. There's a there's an issue between who's responsible for the warranty on a vehicle um, that's been modified. Is the manufacturer responsible for certain aspects of the vehicle? where um, the vehicle's been modified, or is that all on uh, the, uh, the company that altered the vehicle and installed, for instance, a lift? So that's a bill that's been heard uh, a couple different weeks now in roads and transportation. I'm sure it'll be up again this week. I know there'll be an amendment drafted, and we're just trying to thread the needle. What we don't want is we don't want someone who purchases a van. It's under warranty for the manufacturer. They take it and have a lift put in it because that's what they need it for. And then when something goes wrong, who covers it? We don't want them to be the ping pong ball bouncing from the manufacturer to the lift operator and back to the manufacturer. So we want a clear demarcation point. So when this problem exists, who's responsible for it? Um, that, that's uh, House Bill 1073. It's Again, it's designed to help those who are most vulnerable, those who... Uh, have uh, special needs vans. All right. And anything else uh, before we uh, let you go and get back to work this morning? Uh, House Bill 1081 deals with human trafficking. Everyone knows that's a, a huge, huge issue. Uh, we have House Bill 1134, which is going to deal with education issues. Um, and, and on and on it goes. House Bill 1148 deals with veterinary medicine. So as you can see, just about anything and everything, any topic shows up in the General Assembly. Um, we have to do a lot of research. We have to do a lot of reading in order to keep up on things and uh, do our best to make uh, the best decisions possible based on the information at hand. All right. Well, State Representative Randy Fry, uh, we appreciate your uh, time this morning, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you once again uh, down the road as the uh, 2022 uh, General Assembly session continues. Thank you, Tom. I'm Tom Snape for The Daily Pod. 
Don't adjust your radio. The sound that you hear is your stomach. You're having trouble focusing. You can't recall your last meal. You're trapped in the hunger zone. The solution, Batesville to go. Let To Go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To Go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com or call us at 812-727-8800. Batesville To Go, big city convenience, small town taste. 